some people can hustle their way to seven figures, but very, very few, very few can hustle your way to seven figures. I don't believe it, dude. I'm going to disagree. I don't think so. Let me reframe. There are outliers. And of course, there are some cases where if you have a massive audience or some unique unfair advantage, it can work. But if you're truly just, if you don't have this crazy unfair advantage, it's like you got to work on yourself. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and it is a, I think today's, I think today's Friday. Um, it is Friday, but I'm not sure what day is going to be coming out. But um, regardless, it's an interview day. It is a day we have interviews. And as you guys know, we're in the middle of kind of this entrepreneurial focused week. We've got uh, Damon, I think was our last interview where we talked all about SEO and everything that he's doing, which is absolutely fantastic. And we're going to be continuing that trend here today just because entrepreneurship is, I don't know, it's the thing that runs the world, man. If you're an entrepreneur, you can do anything. I, I believe that. And it's not for everyone. But um, when you find really cool people in the entrepreneurship game, especially young people that are killing it. Um, I like to talk to those people for two reasons. One, because most people are really fake, especially in the online entrepreneurship space. They actually don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, they'll have a $10,000 a month and be like, I run a six figure business. And you're like, no, you had a $10,000 a month. Um, and so when you find people that actually really crush it, actually really know what they're doing, um, I always like to pick their brain. And my next guest that we're going to be bringing on here, he is 27 years old. He has an agency that does 200, over $200,000 a month. Their best month was $270,000. That's kind of hard to fake. Um, you know, and when you do it month over month over month, clearly, you know that that person has something right. And so, um, He's thought different, right? He thinks different than most people does. He goes out and he takes massive action. So we're going to be talking to him today. Uh, I want to welcome to the program, though, Joel Kaplan. Joel Kaplan, welcome, man. I appreciate you coming on. Dude, I'm so freaking excited to be here. And you know what's crazy is that I want to be known as the guy that is literally willing to open up their bank account on a Facebook Live and show everyone the numbers because I am sick and tired of people literally hitting 83K a month once. They have an $83,000 a month. They're like, oh, I run a seven-figure business. Yeah. I want to be the guy that's literally willing to show people that I've processed over a million dollars in my agency. That's amazing. So, dude, everything you said totally resonates with me. I believe entrepreneurs are the key to changing the world. My philosophy is make money and make a difference because the more money you make, the more problems you solve, the more impact you have. And I'm also just sick and tired of the online marketing space, um, <laughs> you know, filled with people that are fake. I think, which by the way, kind of brings me into like one of the things that I really care about is like right now I'm on a mission to be the guy that is willing to actually back up everything they say with actual results and actual money in their bank account, which like you said, man, it's like not something that's totally normal in our industry. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like, we went through this phase where like three years ago, four years ago, when I got into the online space, you didn't need results. You didn't need testimonials. You didn't need screenshots. You literally just needed to know what to say, right? And then it went from there to like, hey, you need some results. And then it went from there to like, hey, you maybe should show some screenshots here or there, or you should show some student results. But once again, it was just kind of like, as long as you kind of pieced it together, and figured out a way and made it sound sexy, like people would like take interest to it. But now we've gotten to this point now where literally everyone's an influencer. Everyone has testimonials and results and even testimonials now, dude, like they're so fake. Like you'll get these people that are like, this person helped me so much in my business. And they sat on like one clarity call and they'll, they'll market that as for like a $5,000. Or it'll be like, yo, send me a video testimonial and you're, you're going to unlock the secret module in my course. 
And right. then the video testimonial was baited. And right. I'm, I'm okay with asking for video testimonials, but doing it as a way to just bait it yeah. is just a little off. Right. And, and it's just wrong. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm all about like using your unfair advantage, but I'm also about doing business with integrity and I'm not going to lie to people. Like, yeah, I, I want to, I saw a post by you the other day that resonated with me so much. It said integrity was expensive. Like, dude, that's so real. Dude, that was a good one. I got that one. Uh, I got that one from Scott Olford. I got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Again, doing business with integrity, I'm not going to lie and take ownership over that quote, which is why I literally put it in quotation marks. Um, and dude, that, one's, that one was powerful just because, yeah. I mean, what did you take out of it? I think, so I grew up pretty religious, right? And I grew up uh, pretty conservative. And like my family, I mean, I grew up on a farm. And one of the things that like, I was maybe sheltered from was media when I was growing up. So even like pre-social media, like even just like the TV, the radio, like stuff like that. And one of the things that my parents always told me was like, doing the right thing is always the right thing to do, right? And there's going to be people that are going to tell you like, oh, it's fine. You can get away with this. You can get away with this. You can get away with this. And they then told me that, you know what? And you're going to be able to get away with it, right? Like, you're gonna think that you can you don't go have out to there pay the IRS, and, you know, your tax money that you right, owe. You know, right, some right. people get away with it, and some people, right? <laughs> and so it's like, yes, some people get away with with you know doing things that are not with integrity, but it will always catch up with you. And so where I grew up, dude, like everybody was true on their word. I grew up on a farm, dude. Like if you gave someone your word, you gave someone a handshake. That was it. Like you didn't. You're gonna run into them, you know, right? The next day, <laughs> all right. And now though, like I got into this world, and I'm like, whoa, nobody cares, dude. Like we have contracts. I mean, we have tons of contracts in place now, just you know, for our clients and non-disclosures and all this stuff. And people still try to wiggle around it, and they're like, well, it wasn't on paper. And I'm like, where are the days of you know, just your word is your word? And so, I mean, it really resonated with me. It's like, listen most people are not actually like they don't actually operate with integrity. And I think from like my understanding and, and like what I've found in my life is that like, it causes a lot of stress when you don't, you know what I mean? It causes like un unnecessary just drama. hundred percent, man. And it's funny because a lot of people commented on that post where I said integrity is expensive and they're like, no, integrity is actually priceless. Mm. And they didn't really understand what I was, what I was trying to say. You know, people could take the quote, and figure out what it means to them and run with it. But for me, it meant that by having true integrity, it forces you to play the long-term game and not cash out in the short term. Mm. So if I act out of integrity, I can make, I can lie, right? And I can make a crap ton of money, right? And that's technically cheap because it's not, it doesn't cost me. It's just right. I, I can win very fast or I can play the long-term game and it costs me in that I'm not making as much money yeah. at the beginning. Although I do think at some point in time, uh, you know, like a compound effect happens. And if you do act out of integrity later on in the future and by planting all those positive seeds, yeah. um, that's when you can really cash out big time. So it's truly expensive until that moment happens for you and you can actually cash out. No, I 100% agree with that. Uh, you know, the compound interest effect. Well, there's a reason they say it's the eighth wonder of the world, right? I mean, that's when you understand compound interest, that's, that's, some, that's some crazy stuff. What do, you, what do you think is the main problem right now in the influencer um, agency world space? Shiny object syndrome, 100%. Or at least the biggest problem as to why people are not getting results. That's how I interpreted your question. Did you mean mm -hmm. like biggest problem in terms of just People let, in general, or I'm gonna, I, I meant people in general, but let's go down the shiny object syndrome route because that is something I think is gonna hit a nerve with everyone. So clearly, I mean, you're doing which? Hold on, let's just start here. Congratulations, dude! Two hundred thousand north of two hundred thousand, two hundred thirty thousand a month. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. Man. Um, but uh, you I destroyed shiny object syndrome. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You would have had to. So <laughs> how how is that done, and why do you think so many people struggle with it? Dude, the reason I said it was such, it is like the plague of our space right now is because literally I was in everyone's shoes. I used to want to go after all these different niches. I used to want to have backup plan businesses. Like I was literally running my agency and like I would take my time on the weekends instead of resting, I would literally work on like an e-commerce shop or 
an info product and I would start to map out all these other businesses and it would a hundred percent distract me from the number one goal, which was to grow the agency. Hmm. And even worse, within the agency, I had shiny object syndrome. I was like, why don't we offer Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, all this shit. And on top of that, I was like, why don't we go after oral surgeons, dentists, mechanics? Uh, we even went after artists at one point. We went after rock climbing gyms all at the same time. Hmm. And there's, an, there's a story that I love to tell everyone, and I want to share it here, that truly changed the game for us. So me and Marcos, my business partner, were stuck at around 20 to 30K a month. And we couldn't crack code. We couldn't crack code. We couldn't crack code. And the goal was always 100K a month. And Marcos and I decided to create a contract with ourselves that said that if we deviated niches at any point in time in the next six months, so it made us for, it forced us to focus for the next six months. If any of us deviated the game plan, we would lose our ownership in the business. Whoa. And we literally printed it. We signed the contract. It was on the wall. Whoa. And then guess what happened? Within those six months, we cracked 100K. Of course. And then from there, it was just, you know, talking about the compound effect. If you have shiny object syndrome, you don't focus, then you'll never be able to capitalize on the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. It's just compound effect. Yeah. So from there, it was like 30K, 80K, 100K, 160K, 220K, 270K. They just started literally having a hockey stick growth effect. That's amazing. What is, one of the things that I'm big on is um, looking at the source of things and looking how everything kind of fits together, right? And what's interesting is I, in, in, my background is social media, right? Um, back when I was even back working with Josue several years ago, and then after that, managing um, you know followers and, and whatnot on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, I, I've managed, I, I think with Josue, it was a couple million, but even after that, it's been several million. So around five, five million or so, five million plus followers on, on social. And so my life, was consumed on social media. I was spending at one point like 14 to 16 hours per day on social media, like just stupid, unhealthy amounts of time. And what's interesting is, is that like social media, I feel like is literally a different reality than real reality, but we've made it so much a part of who we are. It like, we don't actually know life without our phone, right? Like we don't know life without Facebook. Right, you're getting me so amped right now because literally people are like, "Oh my god!" In a few years, we're literally going to be like robots merged with humans. I'm like, we're already there. Like right. literally, if you let go of your phone for a day, you feel like you've lost your fucking arm. Right. I don't know if I'm allowed, allowed to cuss on the we'll, show. We'll but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> but like, I watched, I watched uh, the. I was watching The Office the other day. Day, like when I unwind at night, like I'll just turn on you know something in the background or whatever, just kind of like unwind. Um, and there, have, do you ever watch The Office? Yeah. So you, uh, Ryan, um, the, the intern, right? He's got his yep. phone and they're at, they're at the bar and they'd like, hey, you have to put, turn your phone off for trivia. And he's like, uh, okay, okay. And then like literally take it from him. And he literally lasts like five seconds. He's like, I can't, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I need my phone. And he just gets up, grabs his phone and leaves because he can't not have his phone. And I'm like, that's most people now. It's like, we literally can't disconnect ourselves from this device. And I look at that and I go, okay, so... Let's look at reality. Reality, real reality is, you know, nature and around us, not separate from our phone. But we've made our phone so much a part of our lives. Facebook, you know, addicting notifications and everything like that. We know that this is addicting stuff. We love the dopamine. We love it. It's awesome, right? Like amazing. It it feels awesome. It really does. But (laughs) you look at that and you go, whoa, that like that's the source so much of so many people shiny object syndrome, right? Dude, that is yeah. Yeah, so, I don't even so, know what to add to that. It's so like, how do you... Here's, here's the big problem with shiny object syndrome. This is the last piece I wanted to touch on. The reason why people have shiny object syndrome, not only is it because we lived, live in this like multi-reality world where things are extremely accessible, where things are extremely fast, where you can literally get distracted in a second, like well, literally pull out your phone and now you're gone. Like all of your focus is absolutely gone. So not only is shiny object syndrome happening at that sort of immediate level, but it's also happening at a much more subconscious level, which is that people are afraid. Entrepreneurs, when they venture out, they're afraid and it's totally normal. Like it's totally normal to have doubt and to have some fear and to feel uncertain. But the problem is that we, um, 
what's it called? We cope with that uncertainty by creating more options for ourselves. Mm. So we will, we will literally mask our insecurity by creating fake security and trying to launch five businesses at once. And your brain is telling you, oh, now you have five backup plans. So even if the main one, the agency doesn't work out, well, guess what, Joel? You've got three different niches, which are really three different businesses. Like if you run an agency, right, right. And you're in five different niches. My friend, you have five businesses. <laughs> um, so literally, your brain is telling you, oh my God, I feel secure now because I have all these backup plans. And if, back, and if the main plan A does not work, then plan B, C, D, and E will be there to, to save me. Yeah. But what happens is that it's fake uncertainty. And it's actually robbing you from the focus that's required to actually scale the seven figures. That's what's happening. Or even like multi-six figures for a lot of people. Yeah, or multi-six figures. Yeah. And the worst part of this whole thing is that it's robbing you from being able to capitalize on the momentum that you achieve when you focus and go all in on one thing. Yeah, that's super true too. And what's interesting, and I'm going to use myself as like this guinea pig example of this. I'm all about being vulnerable and transparent. Me guys. too, man. So you have a Facebook group? Yeah. So what's the name of the Facebook group? Marketing Agency Secrets. Marketing Agency Secrets. Guys, we'll link it at the end too, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But if you want to join this Facebook group, do that. But I have a Facebook group, Social Media for Entrepreneurs. And um, what's interesting is when I first got started in this whole game, right, I knew nothing about business, right? I, I stumbled into social media. I lucked out, you know, right time, right place with Instagram when it was at a, an upward trajectory of, you know, what it was doing. And so my first experience in business was, oh my gosh, I have a lot of followers. So when I started making money, I had no idea what I was doing. I just wanted to make money, right? And so I started selling things to this audience and I started making money with it. Then it was 10,000, then 20, then 50, then 100. I'm like, this is awesome, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. More dopamine. <laughs> right, more, right. Just money, money, money. But like all of a sudden now, I mean, I didn't have a business, right? I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I got to this point where when I wanted to start a business and stuff got rough, I was like, yeah, all right, well, guess what? I've got this Facebook group at any time. And, and Arnie Giske and I, I know you know Arnie, like he and I were talking about it one time. He's like, dude, it's a bank account on demand in a Facebook group, right? Like you just go in there, you make an offer, you got 20,000 people, 10,000 people in front of you, boom. When you've got this following, you've got this blanket security net, right? And so for me, one of the hardest things that I had to do, and it, I mean, it took me a while to get to this point, right? Was I had to realize that, whoa, if I want to if I want to go and build my business, which for me is think different theory, right? It's not an agency. I mean, like this is my long-term player, whatnot. I not only have to cut out that those businesses like you were talking about, but I have to cut out for me as an influencer, I have one other safety net and that is monetizing my audience, right? And so anytime anything would go bad, I would just give up because I would just go back and be like, I can still make 10 Which is terrible for your mindset too, right? you know? It's so bad. And then you, I, I, have a, I have a theory that the only way to actually reach seven figures is by evolving from a five or six figure individual into a seven figure individual. 100%. So it's like, if you're not willing to actually go all in like a seven figure individual would, then you're never going to be able to reap the rewards of running a seven figure business. Yeah. I, I want to dive into that a little bit further. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to finish my thought, uh, finish my thought here really quick with the Facebook group first. With that, my point in saying that is I think a lot of people associate a business with a following on social media. And a following on social media is not a business. In fact, I would argue that like 90%, probably more like 98% plus of businesses, social media should come second to the business. Unless you're a true content creator, unless your business is literally producing content, your business needs to come before you focus on social media. Now, We'll talk about that later. I want to talk specifically though about what you just said there about evolving into this person that is capable of getting to seven figures, right? I did a pre presentation um, at GoToThon right before Funnel Hacking Live last year about, and I talked about quantum and quantum theory and all that type of stuff. But one of the things I talked about was the identity shift and being able to design the person that you need to become in order to achieve your goals because you right now are physically not capable of, yeah. of getting to your goals. You have to evolve and become that person. And you haven't like, earned it. It's like you, you haven't earned the right to even run a seven-figure business. Right. But so my question to you is, where does one start on that? And if we've got no backup plan, what happens if I fail? 
I want to start with question one there, which is how do I start to become a seven figure person? Like where yeah, does one those, be? Those are two really amazing questions, which can take us in two very different paths. Right. So let's start with step number one, which is what do I need to do to become a seven figure? The, the, the listener right it's, now is stuck between 5,000 and 20,000 a month, right? Good month, bad month, sporadic income. And they may have a good service, right? It needs to be tweaked and honed a little bit, but they're stuck there. What does that person need to do to go hit seven figures? Josh, you asked me to be vulnerable before coming on the show. So I'm going to literally hit you with the truth. Let's do it. And actually tell you a good story, um, which most people probably don't have the balls to tell. But anyways, let's dive in. So when I was doing about 20 to 30K and the business was stuck, a lot of the issues came from my like mental health and just my inability to actually perform at the highest level. And literally, um, it was affecting not only my relationship with myself, it was re- reflecting my team. It was, re- it was affecting the people, not reflecting, I meant affecting. It was affecting the people around me. And it was causing just a lot of damage in my life. And it just wasn't creating the space to allow me to perform at a higher level and actually evolve into seven figures. So what did I do? I went to see a therapist. Like I literally, for the first time in my life, I was like, well, if the mind is the thing that's getting in the way, and it's all from some trauma that I had when I was a child, what do you do? You hire a coach, right? And you hire a coach for mind stuff. So it's not necessarily a mindset coach that allows you to perform more you know, effectively. It was more like, let's actually clear this stuff so that I can be less stressed out my day and I can just act and take, like literally take actions and make decisions at a much higher level. So I committed to going to, to therapy for like three to six months. I think I did like six months. And dude, like literally as I did that, the business grew. I mm. told my therapist all the time, like you, the ROI on your invest on, on this is insane. It's out of this world. And it's not even the ROI on the business because not only did the business grow, like my, also my happiness and just yeah. my self-awareness of like why I act the way I act and where it comes from absolutely uh, took me to the next level. It's amazing. So the reason I share that story is because the answer, although it's going to be very kind of high level, the answer is to work on yourself. Like, and I know that's kind of a, uh, a vague answer that doesn't give you a, a lot of practicality, but that's also the right answer. Right. And there's really no other way to put it. If you want to evolve into a seven figure person, it's by working on yourself. How do you do that? You can hire coaches. You can continue learning. You can practice like taking a lot of action and failing, 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 action, 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 failing, failing, failing. Practicing really helps. Yeah. Um, you could do introspection, like journaling. You could meditate. There's no like one specific path. Yeah. But I think the the high level answer is how do you start evolving into a seven figure person is by being patient with the process and continually working on yourself. A hundred percent. And you know, I love what you said there about you know, you asked yourself the question of like, okay, if mindset is the thing that's going to work or if mind, my mind is what's getting in the way, right? Uh, then how do I fix that? And I had that exact same experience. And, and for those people that listen to the show, they know this. I mean, I wrote a whole book on it, right? Mindshift Playbook. Talking about when I hit rock bottom, I was like, hey, is mindset the key to success? If that is the key, how do I go and fix that? And ironically, um, it wasn't at that time, it was a year later, but uh, earlier this year, I went and saw a therapist. Um, it was after the death of my brother and you know things like that. Like So that is so key, figuring out and investing in yourself. And one of the things that I actually talked to Rachel Peterson, you know, Rachel Peterson, of course, right? Yeah. I talked to her about is like, you can hustle your way to six figures. Some people can hustle their way to seven figures, but very, very few, very few can hustle your way to seven figures. I don't believe it, dude. I'm going to disagree. So. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. So you can There's, hustle your unless, way. To- oh, okay. Let me, let me, let me reframe. There are outliers. And of course there are some cases where if you have a massive audience or some unique right. unfair advantage, it can work. But right. if you're truly just, if you don't have this crazy unfair advantage, it's like, you got to work on yourself. Yes. And so you can hustle your way to six figures. Some people can hit the seven figure mark, but you cannot sustain a seven figure business at all until you become the person capable of that. And, and it gets, sorry, I'm going to jump in, dude. Yeah, go, I'm go. so excited right now. Oh, yeah. The synergy is insane. And it gets even crazier at eight figures. Like trying to go from uh, 250K a month to figuring out how to hit a million a month is much less about strategies and technical stuff and proven systems. It's much more about, how do I need to evolve as a person so I can actually manage a 10 million a year company? 
Right. Well, and so what's interesting too is, is that the person that you have to become to manage a seven or eight figure company, and let's talk about this because I don't think enough people do. Not everybody's cut out for that. Now, I think, I think anybody can do it, right? I think anybody can become the person capable of doing that. But I think that a lot of people would not be happy at eight figures or even like, you know, 5 million a year. And I'm curious to know, do you think that some people like truly wouldn't be happy with more money, managing the teams, like doing it is what they do. And they would much be much happier making six figures or maybe multi six figures a year. Or do you think that if you do it right, everybody should try to get to five, or, you know, five million or $10 million. Dude, I think that believe it or not, I studied philosophy in college because I was angry at my parents for not letting me drop out. So I was like, I'm going to rebel and just <laughs> pick a, pick a degree. That's pretty useless. But the one thing it did teach me is that there's literally no right answer and that everything is kind of just very open-ended. So I would say it really just depends on the individual and what they want. Like I've known since I was little, like I wanted to go and build a big company. Mm. So for me, a mil- like a million a month has been in my mind, like a million a month by 2021. That, that is going to happen. Watch me do it. Like I believe that for sure. Put, put, put it, we're putting in the work. Like that's been in my mind and that's what I've wanted just because you know, I love the game of entrepreneurship. I love the game of building things, but that's not necessarily what everyone wants. Right. Right. It's like my business partner, Marcos, believe it or not, he travels the world in a van and like a conversion van. It's, it's a nice van, but he literally lives in like a eight by eight van. Right. It's incredible. And, uh, I call him the seven figure hobo, by the way, that's hilarious. he's got like, he's got millions living in this like tiny little van. That's but, um, hilarious. maybe he wouldn't be as happy. Like, at a million. So we literally have had to have a lot of, at a million a month. So we've literally had to have a lot of conversations around like, what do you want? If we did hit a million a month, what would that look like for you? And for some people, the answer might be, you know what? I don't even need to hit a million a month. I just want to be with my family and, you know, do multiple six figures and know that I can go on two to three vacations every year. Yep. Yep. For sure. And I think that's important. I I think, you know, is a lot of people hate on Gary Vaynerchuk for a lot of things, but one of the things that uh, I think that he has right is like, you've got to know what makes you happy, right? Like you've got to know what you want out of life and, you know, to go and do that. And I do think that there's truth to that. Um, I'm curious to know though, so you've got a business partner. How's that, how's that work? Meaning like, what, what's the relationship in your business, him to you? Is it like one responsible for one department, one's responsible for another department? Um, you know, traveling the world in a, or traveling the country or wherever he's doing in a, in a van is pretty unstructured compared to maybe your life. Right. So like, how does that relationship dynamic look? Dude, I'm going to give you a pretty unconventional answer. I think you're going to really like, so, uh, I was talking to Scott Oldford actually, and we were talking about how there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's a type of entrepreneur that's driven by the lifestyle. And there's the type of entrepreneur that's driven by the identity of it. So, a really good way to be able to tell who's who, if you say, oh, my passion is entrepreneurship, your identity is probably attached to business and you derive your self-worth and your value and your sense of meaning from business, right? Yep. The biggest positive, the biggest pro of having someone that derives their sense of meaning and their self-worth from business is that they have an insane drive and insane, insane. motivation. Yeah. They're unstoppable. The biggest downfall is that they're very emotional, very impulsive. When the business goes down or they lose clients or their clients are not happy, then they're not happy with themselves. Then their self-worth goes down. Then they say, oh, I, like, I'm not doing well as an individual. Right. And that, uh, that stops you from being able to make decisions and act at your highest level possible to drive the business forward. On the flip side, and it's all going to come together, by the way, with your initial answer. Yeah, no, no. Uh, or, and then uh, on the flip side, you have the lifestyle entrepreneur who like literally they just want to have, they're like, I want to be able to do this, 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 and that. For Marcos, he wants to be able to travel the world. He's a professional paraglider pilot. So he wants to fly whenever he wants and he wants to travel in a bit. That's pretty much it, right? Uh, and he wants to have passive income. The problem with the, the, the best part about those entrepreneurs is that their identity is removed. They don't care if they're literally running a toilet company. Like, they're like, I don't care. It just needs to be making me money and right. I'm happy, right? Right. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be known as the toilet guy. Right. Which is, it's also a flaw, right? But 
for the lifestyle entrepreneur, the biggest um, positive, like I said, is that they can really move the business forward without being attached, emotionally attached to the business. The biggest downside is they lose motivation very quickly as soon as they reach their goals. They don't have that unstoppable drive like Gary Vee, like you mentioned, who's like, I right. just need to do this all the time. I right. can't stop. Um, so to answer your question, how do me and Marcos actually balance each other out? I would say it's much less specifically at this point about the tasks and about the specific actions that we take within the business. And it's much more about the personalities mm. that we have. I make sure as that identity entrepreneur that I'm always pushing him, always driving him forward, always you know, lighting a fire under his ass. On the flip side, he's helping me emotionally detach from the business and not have my identity be so wrapped up in it so that we can make the best decisions and take the biggest actions possible to move the business forward. So I'd say, you know, that was kind of a very long tangent, but the, yeah. at this point in our business, we balance each other out in just who we are as individuals and the sort of energy that we bring to the business. That makes sense. Huh. I mean, and I think that's super important. I was out, you know, it sounds like you know or have been mentored by Scott Olford. I did one day with him. Okay, so you did, you did a day with him. So I, I went out there for, I guess it would be two days. I can't remember if it was two or three days. We were out there for a mastermind uh, out in Santa Monica or where, wherever they were out there. And this was back when he was with Zion. Um, and like they owned, uh, I forget what it was together, but we sat down with Zion, who I think is also very smart. I have a lot of respect for Scott, a lot of respect for them both. But um, Andrew Cruzy and I were actually going to do you know business together, and we were going to go in and you know start something. And we sat down and we got uh, you know had this big long conversation about personalities and driving factors and balancing others out and yada yada. And through that conversation, we actually decided against working together simply because of the fact that our personalities were going to clash. And we knew that right from the get-go. And so we avoided that catastrophe like from the beginning because we understood that our personalities did not go and work well together. You know, Two dominant figures, two very, very similar in a lot of ways. And so I think it's interesting that you say that like you've got to know yourself and you've got to know your business partner and they have to know themselves and they've got to know you. And you've got to find that balance of not just in roles of the business, but specifically in, if I heard you right, at least, not just in roles of the business, but specifically in the type of person and drive that that person has. Dude, 100%. And I think like, I could tell you, oh, at the beginning, he did sales, I did fulfillment. But that answer is like, not going to be helpful to anyone that's in your audience, the, the people in your audience, it's all about like mindset and evolving and really understanding entrepreneurship on that deeper level, which yeah. is why I kind of wanted to share that deeper yeah. answer. Um, that being said, um, with Marcos and I, I feel like I had a thought and I just lost it. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I want to dive into the actual business now, yeah. if, if we can go that direction, because I think that this is one of the things that a lot of people are going to have questions about. So I want to kind of dive into maybe business structure and yep. how you have the business structure and what you actually did to get to seven figures. I think people have a little bit of context around what you've done now and how you like, you know, where you're at. So let's, let's talk about the actual way that you grew from the $20,000 a month or $10,000 a month mark to seven figures. So for those people that don't know, what is your business specifically? Like, what do you do and who do you serve? Great question. And by the way, I remembered what I was going to say, if you want okay. to share it. I'll, yeah, I'll just drop it. Yeah, let's start there. Let's start. I'll, what were you going to say? I'll drop it super quickly. Another thing that I see with people that are having partnerships doing correctly is they don't actually have a trial period. So a lot of people don't know this about me and Marcos, but for the first 90 days, we actually didn't sign one paper. We didn't commit to anything. It was all just verbal agreement. And we were just going to feel it out and see how our energies either collided or you know came together. So I just wanted to throw that in as a little golden nugget. Like if that's, you're thinking of bringing on a partner, like you have to absolutely be willing to try it out before you just sign the papers and get married to that person. That's a good point. I, I think that's super important. I mean, and Andrew and I did the same thing. I mean, it was a week, not, you know, 90 days, but we knew within a week it wasn't going to, you know, work out. There you go. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's actually a super good point. And I would say for those of you that are thinking about getting a business partner, that's a really good piece of advice that you should follow. 
So, okay, cool. So transitioning, yeah, yeah. Transition, all right, transitioning back to the business. Okay, so who do you serve, what do you do? So I run a digital marketing agency called Atlas Digital and we help doctors, so chiropractors, grow their practices with Facebook ads, so. Okay, first thing that I noticed is that you're very specific. Like you know your market really, really well. Why that market? How did you get to that point? Great question. So we were, as I mentioned earlier, uh, trying out a bunch of different niches. And at this point, we had like five chiropractors on board. We also had, so we were in a bunch of different niches and uh, it was getting crazy. And I was literally losing my mind trying to figure out how to fulfill on all these different types of clients. And then we realized, you know, we had five chiropractors and we were getting them very good results. So we honestly didn't think about it too much. And then Marcos and I were just like, let's just completely go all in on chiropractors. And that's when we made that commitment. And that's when it really started taking off. So for those, that person that's out there though, that's getting started in an agency, right? They're like, Hey, like, you know, I don't know what's working right now. I don't know if I want to serve chiropractors or if I want to serve restaurants or online agencies or like e-commerce stores. Like, I'm just going to try a bunch of different things because I don't know which one I'm good at. What would you tell them? Is it, and I don't, I actually don't know the answer of what you would say because I have an agency, but I never went through that phase with my agency because I knew what I wanted to do. Like I knew what I was good at, like going into it. But for that person that's just starting out is the answer, okay, try a bunch of different things until you find the one that you'd like or can get results for and then double down on that. Or you just like pick one and figure it out. Great question. First things first, don't pick the one you like. Like unless you're, unless you have $5 million sitting in your bank account, like build a business that makes you money. Like agencies are meant to be cash cows. And I know a lot of us are like, Again, identity-driven entrepreneurs, you want to derive meaning out of it, but that is a fatal flaw, right? Because then it stops us from maybe going into the niche that would actually help us succeed and build the seven-figure business. So I would pick the one. What I would do if I were starting all over again is I would just show up to a BNI. And for those of you that don't know what BNI is, it's a referral networking group of local businesses. And I would literally say, hey guys, uh, I'm brand new to the area. And if you're not brand new, I'd say, hey, my name is Joel. I just launched a marketing agency. And I'm looking to bring on five clients for absolutely for free to run their marketing. If you're interested, talk to me at the end. That's it. And you're going to have a bunch of businesses coming to you. You're going to schedule calls with more than five because more than five are going to be interested. And you're going to do five free trials and select the five that you want to work with the most, not based on how much you like the niche, but based on how confident you are that you can get them results, right? And what you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, let me cover the ad spend. So the, the traditional curious student approach, but you're just going to do it in person. And that way you don't have to like literally post on Facebook. You can find the five businesses, get them scheduled and test it out with five different businesses. Then I would go and find the bit after trying it out, I would figure out which business can I get the most results for. And then I would run in that direction. Hmm. That's what I would do. So you, you go, would, go ahead. I would, I would not start by going all in until you have that sort of base level of experience. I think a huge flaw in our space is that we want to, again, cash in so quickly. We want to make all the money right now instead of actually building a long-term business. And if you are thinking, oh, how can I get clients without case studies, without testimonials, without even knowing how to run Facebook ads. How can I get someone to pay me if I don't even know how to run a Facebook ad? That's, you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, how can I get a few businesses on board so I can learn these skills and get good enough at it so that I can start charging money? Yeah. One of the things I think is interesting that you said there as well is, and I, and I want to talk, like, I want you to touch on this. You're literally getting local business owners, Right. I think a, a big misconception in the agency space with a lot of the people that I talk to is they're like, how do I get clients online, right? Like, how do I get clients without leaving my living room? And it's interesting because like, there's this thing that's like, oh, if I can make money on the internet, I shouldn't have to leave my house, right? And it's like, you're basically saying, hey, look, the internet's a tool that you can use to get more clients but that doesn't mean the traditional 
business practices of networking with local businesses and going out there and getting their information, like, you know, meeting them, sitting down with them, talking with them in person, like those are traditional business practices. Those still work. And they're still going to get you clients when you're just starting out. And guess what? No one else is doing it because everyone's sitting at home. So then you're going to be the only marketing agency that shows up and you do the curious student approach and you get as many free trials as you want. Literally as many as you want. Yeah. Especially, and this is BNI meetings, guys. Where, where would someone go to find a BNI meeting in their local town? I would literally Google, I can give you guys a website. Hold on. It's BNI.com. BNI.com. I, I like this. This is, I mean, it's very, very practical. It gives people exactly where they need to be, right? So if I'm wanting, let, let's, let's go to this entrepreneur that's out there that they've, they've gone and I'm try, I want to speak really to who I believe my target market is on this because this is really good information, okay? This is the entrepreneur out there that they have some skill sets. Maybe they do some website design. Maybe they do some coaching or consulting or whatever, but they, they've got real no real business online, right? They're just kind of doing stuff. And now they're going to go start this agency, right? Are, when it comes to actually learning the skill set, because you, you don't do the actual fulfillment, you personally. I mean, you have a team that does it now, right? I used to. Now but, uh, I don't touch right. it. Right. So at the beginning, you used to do that. So how important is it to learn the actual skill itself? And when do you bring in someone else to start doing the Facebook ads? Like, there's like, I feel like there's two trains of thought, right? It's like one of them says, hey, sell and get someone else to fulfill. Don't worry about selling. Get someone in their zone of, I mean, don't worry about fulfilling. Get someone in their zone of genius. Don't learn Facebook ads. Like get someone else. And then there's a flip side of it that's like, no, learn the Facebook ads, learn everything about it, know your business inside and out, and then bring someone else in. So for that person that's starting, which, what's the right answer for you? Again, guys, it comes to like, I'm here to build a long-term legacy. So it would do me no service to literally outsource it to a white label agency where I don't own any of the intellectual property. I'd rather suffer at the beginning, figure out how to do it myself and own the process so that not only am I not tied to a whole nother company, which is a huge vulnerability, but also I own it. So if I ever wanted to sell the business, I can sell it. If I ever needed to make some infrastructure changes, I can make them. I own the process. So, Again, that's more of a long-term thinking approach, whereas a lot of people are thinking short-term and thinking, oh, how can I just make money today and um, I'll just hire someone to do the work and then keep growing that way. But as we talked about earlier, what's the difference between a six-figure six person or a five-figure person and then a seven-figure person? One of the key differences is that six-figure people think short-term, seven-figure people think long-term. It's amazing. That's super, super, that's super, super true. And what's interesting here as well, guys, is like, Guess how many followers you need on social media to go do this? Zero. Zero. Right. And so many people and, get so caught up in followers. It's ridiculous, man. And, and dude, I, I actually highly, highly recommend everyone to go and do in-person like promotional things like go into a BNI group because even if you land zero clients, you're practicing the act of putting yourself out there, yeah. which if you're trying to run an agency, which is a service and people-based business, Mm -hmm. You have to get good at that skill. Yep. Even if you're doing it through a Zoom call, yep. even if you're building rapport through a Zoom call, you need to get used to just putting yourself out there and building relationships. So even if worst case scenario, you go to the BNI and no one wants to do a free trial, which is never going to even happen. Right, let's right. assume worst case scenario. The beautiful part about it is you still get to practice putting yourself out there and practicing the art of a people and service based business. And, and just having the experience of doing that like one time or two times, even if you don't get any clients, like, I mean, I look at like the guy, Howard, what a Schultz or whatever his name is, a started for Starbucks. He got turned by, down by how many dozen banks? It was like 80 something banks turned him down for a loan. Like, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was, but to get started, if he would have given up after the 85th one instead of the 86th one, like there'd be no Starbucks, right? And like you look at that and you go, he over and over and over again. People ask me, they're like, Josh, how are you good at you know, giving interviews? How are you able to go and get people you know, on the podcast? And I'm like, because literally for the last three and a half years of my life, I've, I've done interviews. I've done over a thousand live streams, right? A thousand. Like, why am I good at it now? Because I've done it so many times. And they're like, oh, you're naturally talented. No, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do on my first one. I just went out there and did it. And like three people watched, but who cares? It's that constant act of just going out there 
and taking action in the right direction. And if you fail, like, who cares? Like, I just don't get, and that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about is that if you fail, fail, right? Like quote unquote, who cares if your identity is where it should be, which is inside yourself and not tied directly to your results and not, you know, um, to the amount of money in your bank. If you're okay with who you are as a human and you fail, you go, oh, dang, I failed. What can I do to make it better this time? Oh man, that didn't work. What can I do this time? And that's why I like, I look at every single day I wake up and if I have a bad day in my business, I go, well, what went wrong? How can I learn? And so many people are just so gosh darn afraid of what everybody else is going to think about it that they yeah, don't even want to go to a BNI meeting. Like, ah. And Tiger Woods, I guarantee you the first hundred golf swings, he sucked. I guarantee it. I would put my money down. Yeah. Do you want to bet right now? First hundred, he was not, oh my God, the best golfer in the world. You literally- Or even a what, decent golfer. <laughs> what, what's, what's fascinating is that you literally need to actually fail in order to even see if you're good at it. Yeah. And people already ride themselves off if they're not naturally good at it on the first attempt. Like, guys, I used to have panic attacks before going into sales meetings. Panic attacks. I would literally have major anxiety. And I've closed deals now at this point that are over six figures. That's amazing. I've closed $150,000 deals worth literally $150,000 check in one shot. One shot. It's amazing. How did, I, how did I know that I was good at it? Because I literally kept stepping into the fear, kept stepping into the fear, kept stepping into the fear. And I knew that the only way for me to actually see if I was even good at it was to go through that amount of practice and failure. Yep. Like my, my sales guy, Omir, he literally did not close one deal in four months. He failed and he failed and he failed and he failed. I literally, and I love telling the story because it's such a, he is my, one of my biggest motivations. I literally almost fired him. I remember after dinner, we were eating at Southern Sun. It's a restaurant here in Boulder, Colorado. We went out to the parking lot and I said, Omir, if you don't set, close five clients in the next month, we're going to have to let you go. In the next 90 days, he closed over a hundred people. Oh my gosh. And Sometimes you got to set hard deadlines for yourself. I, you, we talk, I know J.R. Revis is out there with you right now. I mean, that dude, yeah, dude wrote a check to the KKK. Like, what's it? That, that guy st stayed up till three in the morning because he said he was going to work out twice. <laughs> but like, the reason I share that story is because Omir would have never actually realized his potential as a salesman if he didn't yeah. fail. If he didn't say, you know what? I'm going to go through four months of not closing one deal. Yeah. And now everyone is like, oh, Omir. You're such an amazing salesman. Oh, I'm sure people are going to start saying you were born it with this talent. You were naturally gifted. I guarantee you he was not. Yep. Well, it took me 37, 37 calls to make my first sale in, in social media. I That's great, actually. But, That's fantastic. Well, well here, here's the thing. <laughs> I did 500 doors, door-to-door -door sales um, for businesses, selling business to business, and made one sale the summer that whole summer. And then I switched to my own business and did 37 sales calls before I made my first sale in my own business. So I just keep picking up the phone. Okay. We're running short on time. So I want to continue moving on because, all right. So I've started a business. I'm going, I'm getting clients in. I'm at the $20,000 a month mark, right? And I want to get to the seven figure mark from a structural standpoint. Like I get, you got to work on yourself. I get, you know, you got to invest, you got to, you know, do the, the personal thing and that no, and guys, I want to be very clear. And Joel said it earlier on the podcast, like no tactic, no strategy, none of that's going to work unless you first work on yourself and become the person that's worthy of getting to seven figures. But let's assume that I'm working on myself. I have a mentor, I'm working out, I'm, I'm in the mindset. From a structural standpoint, if I'm at twenty dollars to $30,000 a month, I probably have some excess income now at this point, right? Where I can invest back into my business. Uh, what structural changes or strategic things did you do to set your business up to get to seven figures? I would say even if you're less than 20K, like let's say you're at five to 10K, at this point you, need, you absolutely need to niche down and go all in in the business that you're tarting, trying to build. And earlier you asked like, you know, what happens if we go down the other path and, uh, or no, 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 you asked me what happens if we go all in and fail? Yeah. Well, the alternative is, you go after a bunch of niches and then you're guaranteed to fail, right? <laughs> and it's like, I will literally bet all my money down that you're going to fail. No doubt about it, right? Yeah. Um, so really the only option to get to success is by going all in. So the first thing that I would do is have insane focus. The second thing that I would do is start working on my systems. So 
If you don't know what SOPs are, I would literally start looking up standard operating procedures. And for those of you that don't want to do that, you could literally start by recording yourself doing a specific process. Yeah. So for example, I'm at WeWork right now, the co-working space. And the first time I came here, I had to literally book out uh, the space for five days. And instead of me just uh, doing it and then having to do it again next Sunday, because you have to do it once a week, I recorded myself actually sharing my screen on Loom video and walking myself through recording. Uh, I recorded myself booking the actual space. And then I sent it to my virtual assistant. I said, hey, every Monday, please go and reserve for the following week. And I sent her that video. So you don't have to build all these crazy systems, but you have to start building systems just like that. Do you use any software specifically for that outside of like Loom and making standard operating procedures? We use Slack, Asana, Loom, Google Drive. That's how we build all of our systems. Asana. Is Asana like a, a Trello? Yeah, it's more advanced. More advanced than Trello. Okay, because we use Trello, yeah. but I'll have to look into Asana. Okay. Yeah. And then, so again, number one, going all in. Number two, starting to build systems. Uh, number three, I would start hiring. That's key. Like part of reaching seven figures is accepting the fact that you can't do it alone, which again, for entrepreneurs that have their identity tied to their business, it's very hard to let go because your literal self-worth, your self-worth is coming from the success of the business. So you're like, Oh, I don't want to let it go and fail. Right. Because mm -hmm. if I fail, then I feel bad about myself. Yeah. So, uh, the next step is to hire, start hiring a team. You could literally, if you don't have much money, start by hiring part-time VAs. If you have more money, hire full-time VAs. It's like $500 to $600 for a whole month, 40 hours a week. Do you, do you have like a, a, a specific like head assistant person or head person that you work with that kind of manages everybody else? Or do you, I mean, I know that's not where you would start, but like, let's say I've got four or five VAs. Like, do you have a, a manager of those VAs or are you that manager? Man, at this point, like their tasks are so systemized and they know exactly what they need to be doing that they don't really need a manager. Um, we also track every single data point in our agency using something called simple KPI. So we can literally see if something's not getting done in a heartbeat and then just, and then we can just, uh, you know, recalibrate, talk to them and make sure everything's getting done. Um, so what I would do if I were at 20 K going all in huge, um, number two, I would start building systems. Number three, I would start hiring. If you don't have much money, start with a part-time VA. If you have more money, hire a full-time VA. If you have even more money, hire a part-time US employee. If you have a lot of money, you're feeling like this is it, let's go for it. Hire a US-based employee. Yeah. Here's why that is so key. You have literally, just by, if you hire a US-based employee, you have doubled your time. Yep. Instantly, yeah. boom. You literally double your time. You go from being able to put in 40 to 50 hours a week to being able to put 80 to 100 hours a week. Yep. Yep. Um, I just hired my first, I hired my first full-time employee a year ago yesterday, US-based full-time employee. And how and has that changed things it, for you? Uh, absolutely fundamentally changed my life. And many you know, the people know on her, her name's Carrie. And like, I, I don't like you, you get into this state where you're like, I don't know how I functioned without that person. You know what I mean? It's just like such a radical change. And for the, you know, several thousand dollars a month that you pay out, like, yeah, obviously there's expenses there, but the reward or return on investment from spending, even if it was $5,000 a month, right? Like, I mean, that's a chunk of change. Don't get me wrong. That's 60 grand a year. But the reward that you get from that is just unreal. Again, six-figure people think short-term. Seven-figure people think long-term. So a seven-figure person would say, oh, well, I'm at 20K a month. If I pay another five grand, I'm left with 15K. And now I have someone else to be able to take me to 50K a month. Yep. Long term. Whereas six, you know, people that are not at seven figures would be like, well, I can't, I can't invest 5K. Yeah. Scarcity, short term. Um, so what happens here is you double your time and then you start transitioning from a business employee, like an employee of your own business into a business owner. And again, this is all about the, evolu the evolution of becoming a seven-figure person. Part of it is transitioning into a business owner, right? So by hiring, you, again, start to take those steps forward. Outside of 
Go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, I have, I have one more question specifically on that, that I've gotten a lot when it comes to systems that I'd like to touch on before we wrap up here. And that is, if you are, and, and if you don't know the answer to this, because maybe, maybe it is different for you, but like, if you are the business, or if you are part of the product that you're selling, meaning like someone's paying for coaching specifically from you or consulting for the business specifically from you, how do you, or, or, or even like with the Facebook ads, like you know how to do the, your Facebook ads, right? You're writing the good copy, you, you figure the whole thing out. How do you remove yourself or create a system around a task that requires thinking and not just a step-by-step formula. Like it, it changes every time it's done. Those types of businesses, like if I was trying to build the Vayner Media type of marketing agency, like the Gary Vaynerchuk type of marketing agency, they're infinitely harder to scale because they're only scalable in relation to how fast you can train someone. Uh, to literally just do exactly, think like you, act like you, all that good stuff. Um, but for those of you guys that are in this situation, what I would recommend to you is to try to 80, 20 it. Maybe you can't automate everything. Maybe you can't systemize everything. Maybe there will be a part that still depends on you, which is a vulnerability by the way. Um, but I'm sure you can automate 60, 80% of it and knock out any other part of the process that doesn't require your original thinking. Um, that being said, like, I just, I wouldn't want to build a business that a hundred percent depended on me. Yeah. So, because then that's not really a business. It's more of like a consultancy. And if that's what you're after, like, hell yeah. But in a way, you know, you have a job, right? Um, which is okay. I'm not saying that that's wrong. It's more about what you want as an individual. So that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, I think people do need to, you know, understand that one of the things that I think for me personally, which, you know, very different than maybe the average person doing, you know, a building an agency is that I was, you know, when I hired Sam ovens and gotten into all his stuff and whatever it was, build a business, remove yourself from the process, remove yourself from the process, remove yourself from the process. And I have removed myself from a large majority of the process when it, when it comes to, you know, for the podcast, like for scheduling or whatever. But I woke up one day and I realized I was like, I love podcast. I like, I love talking into a microphone. I love the camera on me. I love, you know, it, what would I do for the rest of my life? If I, if I got paid any amount of money, like I would still be in front of the camera. I would still be talking. So I'm going to automate all the crap that the scheduling, the content. I mean, I don't do any of the processing. When I get done with this interview, I hit end record, I upload a file and then I forget about it and it's published, right? Everything gets sent out. The whole thing is done. I'm automating 80% of my process, but I'm still doing what I love. Nobody can replace me on the podcast, but I'm okay with that because that's the type of business that I want to build. Boom. I don't even know what to add to that. That was perfect, man. It's just like the magic of not having to do it. It's like There's there's so much into that and like empowering roles and things like that. Like uh, just hire somebody guys, like just do it. Just like figure, like you'll figure it out along the way. Um, hiring like that first person is, I feel like it's super scary. Right. But at the same time, like, it's just the best thing that you can do. And then Josh, let let me throw in one last variable for the scaling to seven figures. So again, it's systems, hiring a team, um, going all in on one focus instead of having multiple businesses. And then finally, I'd say it's having, having a proven Mm. and automated prospecting system whether it's paid ads, whether it's cold email, whether it's LinkedIn, you need to be able to tell me, hey, Joel, I'm going to be getting 10 appointments this week, pretty much consistently across the board for the next few months. If you can't say that, it's going to be very hard for you to scale to seven figures. Amazing. Um, I would say that there's a lot of people out there that don't run seven-figure businesses, so they haven't been able to crack the code on that. But there are people out there that can help you build those systems Yeah. that you literally don't have to worry about uh, appointments again. Like I know for a fact, my agency is going to close between 20 to 30 clients every month. And I can say that with confidence because we have those prospecting systems in place. That's amazing. That's amazing. Joel, I want to thank you for your time. I want to go to rapid fire questions, but before we go to rapid fire, um, where can people find more about you? And if they wanted to potentially think about, I don't know, I don't know, even know if you offer coaching or consulting or anything on the back end there, but like, where would people find out more about you if they wanted to learn more about what you do and learn from you? Everyone watching this has to absolutely go and follow me at uh, official Joel Kaplan on Instagram, post a lot of valuable golden nuggets there. 
And then also check out my free Facebook group, Marketing Agency Secrets. Boom. And uh, this is top secret stuff. I literally have not shared this publicly. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, some, some think things. different theory exclusive. <laughs> yeah, think different, yeah, this is Josh 40 exclusive. Um, if you're looking to scale your agency to seven figures, I just launched what I'm calling the most hands on coaching program for agency owners on planet Earth. Wow. If you're looking to scale to seven figures. So, if you want more info on that, it's still pretty new. The results for the students have been absolutely insane. A bunch of people have already. Crush, uh, cross 50K a month. When I talk about having an automated prospecting system, literally everyone is getting appointments left and right. There's not one person in there that's not. Uh, so if you want to learn more about that, just DM me. It's still, again, a little top secret. So yeah, shoot him a DM on Instagram or Facebook. We'll link um, both the Instagram account and the Facebook group in the description of this podcast episode. So make sure to check those out and uh, follow Joel over there. He, he guys, he's he's a smart dude. If you can tell, like he knows what he's doing, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Okay, let's go to rapid fire questions real quick, and then we'll be wrap it up. Uh, rapid fire is basically asked like five or six questions, just super fast, answer them fast, and then I end with the same question with everybody. So. Rapid fire question number one. What is your favorite airline to fly? United. United. Okay. You're not afraid of getting beat up? Sorry. No, I, <laughs> I kind of like it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, it's because comfort. I like grew up flying United. Then it's just like, it's like you like what you know. So. Yep. Yep. I, I'm a Delta person. So like, I totally get that. You just pick your airline and you go with it. Um, are, are, are you a sports car fan? And if so, what's your favorite sports car? Dude, I'm actually like... People probably hate this answer. I like my Jeep Cherokee. I live in Colorado. Dude, so. I, I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee, dude. I love my Jeep. They're, they're I would say if the, the next car I'm going to get is Tesla, 100%. So. Yeah, Teslas are awesome. Awesome. Okay, um, coolest place you've ever traveled to in the world? Uh, Medellin. It's my favorite place. Okay, all right, cool. Um, biggest lesson that you've learned in growing your seven-figure agency? Building a seven-figure agency is like putting a mirror in front of yourself that highlights both the good and bad about you. And if you don't deal with the bad and learn how to leverage the good, you're never going to scale to seven figures. I love that. I love that. All right, last question. Let's put that on a. Let's put that on an Instagram post. Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> I, I need to start like an Instagram wall of awesome quotes from people on the podcast. That's actually a really good idea. Um, Okay, last question though. I asked this question to Send everybody. Send the invoice later. No. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, last question is, I asked this to everybody, if you're, fa fast forward your life, you're on your deathbed right now, okay? You're at the end of the life and all of your success, all of your money, all of everything is gone, right? Um, everybody that you've touched, nobody knows who you are. It's just you on your deathbed. However, every single person that you've touched and influenced either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message. What is that message? Wow. That is an amazing question. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, right now, this message will probably change if you ask me in 10 years, cause yeah. you know, nothing is permanent, but, uh, right now the message that I'm trying to preach to the world, especially in our game, in, in our online marketing game is focus on making money, but also focus on making a difference just because it goes round and round. And you know, the more people that you help, the more impact that you have, the more problems that you solve, the more money you'll make. And with the more money that you have, then you can go out and do amazing things for the world. So, um, you know, I went through a period of time where I was like, just money, 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 money. And I just lost a more genuine and compassionate, compassionate side of myself. And I've really tried to step into this idea of yes, ending and integration and being like, yes, I can make a lot of money and I can do good for the world. Yeah. So right now, for everyone watching, I'd say go out, make money, make a difference. Make money, make a difference. I like that. There's a lot of people that uh, focus on one or the other, but I think a combination of both is good. Joel, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, guys, seriously, go make sure to follow him. Um, like I said, we'll link it down below. If you are interested in the agency space, Joel is one of the people that you know. I, I really do recommend. There's a reason we have him on the show. Like He knows what he's doing. I not only know him, but I have several friends um, that are in his programs and have followed what he does and are friends with him closely. I think Justin Saunders actually is one of those, right? I mean, shout yep. out Justin. He's in there as well. Just closed um, like three deals yesterday. So there you go. Shout out Justin. Shout out them follow him seriously. Like he will, like what he teaches actually works and it will make you money. Clearly you can't fake a, a quarter million dollar. I'm happy month. to show you guys my bank account. 
Yeah. I want to be that guy. So he'll be that guy. Joel, thank you so much again, guys. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I firmly believe that. Think different is not just a way of thinking. It is a way of life. I mean, it, it, it will change, radically change everything about you. Become the person that you need to become. I love you all. And I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh Forty or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.